You may be seated. Well, let's read of God's faithfulness to Daniel as we look yet again at Daniel chapter 6. This is our third sermon on this particular chapter and will be the last message on Daniel until the new year as we're at a transition point in the book of Daniel. This concludes the story of Daniel's life proper. And then beginning of next year, we will begin the rest of the story in Daniel. But for today, uh, we're looking at Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse uh, 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out, In a tone of anguish, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king. I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal domain people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let us pray. Father, as we reflect upon this very familiar story, I pray, O God, that you would impress upon our hearts that we enjoy a deliverance greater than Daniel's deliverance. That deliverance is in Christ Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, in whose name we pray. Amen. When I was in college, I remember that, that one of the posters I had on my wall pictured a tall sailing ship safely resting in a harbor. And then there was this statement 
below this quote, and there's controversy about who first said this, but the quote was basically this, a ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are built for. And so I want to restate that in this way. A Christian is safe outside the lines then, but that's not what Christians are built for. We see Daniel experienced in his latter years one of the greatest trials of his life. In the words of the Apostle Peter, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Daniel's faithful witness gives us encouragement today to face those trials that we will inevitably face with boldness and with assurance that we have a greater deliverance. And so what I want us to see today that the hope that we have in light of the lion's that are trying to consume us is a lion that is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And this lion of the tribe of Judah, which points to the conquering lion, conquered by being the Lamb of God that shed his blood to free God's people and to deliver them from sin, death, Satan, and the grave. So I want us to consider three things. A hopeful deliverance, a miraculous deliverance, and all of this is pointing to a greater deliverance that we will see in just a few moments. But what I would suggest to us today with regards to a, a hopeful deliverance, which is our first point, and you'll find this on your sermon outline, is to compare the, the hope of Darius with the hope of Daniel. Verse 16, may your God, Darius exclaimed, whom you serve continually deliver you. Now, we need to ask the question, why did Darius desire Daniel's deliverance? And some commentators, and one being John Calvin himself, seems, seem to indicate that Darius didn't want Daniel to die because Darius, or Daniel was such an able statesman. And to lose his able work as a statesman would affect his kingdom. And so some would say that Darius just simply wanted to retain Daniel's services. But the more likely reason that Darius wanted Daniel spared was because of the personal relationship that had developed between this emperor and one of his chief statesmen. And I think we we can understand that, especially in light of the effect that Daniel's impending death had on Darius. If you ever wanted to have a good example of unintended consequences, this might be the case where Darius passed this decree that we studied about in the last message in the middle section of chapter 6 
thinking that he was just simply binding people in his kingdom to, to worship him and to ask nothing of, of any other gods but, but him. But he didn't realize how that would affect Daniel. Daniel, who was faithful, continued as he had been doing his devotion to God by praying three times a day. And, of course, he violated Darius's decree. And these accusers ratted on uh, poor old Daniel, and they brought him before Darius. And Darius had no other option but to impose the sentence because he could not revoke that sentence according to Persian law. And so this greatly affected Darius. He, want, he really wanted Daniel to be spared. And so he couldn't do anything with regards to Persian law. And so he really was up against the wall. His back was against the wall. There was no human way out of this situation. Surely his, his friend and chief advisor would be put to death. And so Darius expresses hope, may your God, Daniel, deliver you. Well, we need to ask this question, had, had Darius uh, quickly uh, gotten religion, had he all of a sudden been converted uh, to monotheism? And I think the answer to that is, is absolutely no. He was looking at God as well as other gods that might come and free Daniel. And in other words, Darius's hope was more wishful thinking based upon his desire for his friend to be spared. There's a story of, a, of an, avi- an aviator by the name of Mark Rose, and Mark Rose was an avowed atheist. He was also a bush pilot in, and is a bush pilot in Alaska. And on one particular flight, uh, Mark was, was flying hunters up to some river in the Arctic to drop them off for their hunting experience. And on the way back with one passenger, uh, he ran into this horrendous uh, snowstorm that had not been forecast. And here he is in this snowstorm, uh, not, not being able uh, to land at his primary and secondary airport because caribou (laughs) had covered the landing strip, and he really uh, couldn't see much to determine, not to mention the fact that his fuel gauge showed empty, so he's in a snowstorm that was unexpected, and I didn't mention this, but it was at night, primary, secondary runways, unavailable, and he was up against a wall fuel gauge zero. And so this avowed atheist, his only option was to pray this prayer. And he prayed this silent prayer. If there is a God, I need help. Well, at that very moment, He popped out of the storm. While on empty, he was able to fly about 20 minutes to another landing field. And he said that he landed a changed man. And now he has a ministry to others. That happens. People in a crisis with their backs up against the wall, with no options 
turn to God. If there is a God, I need help. And God radically does a miracle and saves them. And Mark Rose is an example of that. But oftentimes, people turn to God in a crisis because they view God as more of a 911 first responder type of a situation. I really have had the privilege as, as a pastor to be called to the, the hospital bedside of someone who is seriously ill, not someone in this church, someone that knows someone that knows someone that is not a believer, that really is not churched, but they're in a crisis and they want a pastor. And so I've had the privilege. I remember one such situation up at the med center. I was in this man's room and, you know, he had lived his whole life totally ignoring God, but at this moment of crisis, he, he wanted a, a pastor to come pray with him. And that's a great opportunity for ministry. I'm happy to do that all day long. And so I went and prayed, prayed with this man um, and just prayed for God to work and for this man to come to a place of peace. Of course, I was praying one thing, thinking quite another about wanting Jesus to radically change his heart. But in any event, Likely this man received that prayer. He was very kind and gracious and and thankful for the prayer. But probably after he uh, was relieved of this crisis, he went on about his life continuing to ignore God. And so oftentimes people in a crisis, they will call out to God because it really is the call of last resort. But it's more just wishful thinking. And then once the crisis is over, they go on about their business. And I tend to think that that Darius was more the latter. He found himself up against the wall, and he just simply cried out to Daniel's God. And notice he didn't say, our God, or the one true God. He simply said, your God, Daniel. That is one God among many gods in in Darius's mind. And so Darius's hope, if we want to call it that, was was faithless, was not grounded in any reality about God, was just simply a hope based upon his own wishful thinking that his buddy would not be eaten by the lions. But now let's look at Daniel's faith. It's quite a different story, isn't it? Daniel's faith was one that that truly is grounded in who God is and all that God had done and would do and will do. Daniel trusted God. It's interesting that as we look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, that that we consider the last two sermons on Daniel chapter 6, we find Daniel trusting God even when being devoted to God meant that he would be under this penalty that Darius had imposed. So Daniel continued to pray even though he knew it could mean his death. And so he trusted God to do the right thing even though it was against Darius's decree. And now we find Daniel trusting God in the midst of suffering the penalty of violating Darius's decree as he is about to be thrown into the lion's den. We, we, we see that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who found themselves in a desperate place in that fiery furnace, Daniel now finds himself in a desperate place in that lion's den. No way out, no human way out, But Daniel trusted 
in God. Now, what about this lion's den? Have you got a mental picture of what that might have looked like? There are several options that the scriptures aren't abundantly clear exactly what this den looked like, the construction of it, that is. It could have just simply been a hole in the ground in a cavern, and you'd, you'd put the lines in through this hole and put, put Daniel in through this hole. But it also could have been a subterranean uh, cavern that actually had a side to it where there could be a, a, a door with a ramp so that you could introduce the animals in, into this, this cavern. And then, of course, an open uh, top, so more of an observation booth so you could see what was going on down in the lines then, in this case, so you could see uh, poor old Daniel uh, battling with these particular lions. And so the scriptures aren't, aren't very clear exactly what the construction of this lion's den was, but I kind of like the idea of there being kind of a side door because this seems to fit with a stone, in verse 17, that was rolled to seal off that particular entrance, and then it was sealed by these signet rings so that no one could get out of that entrance. And then, of course, the top really didn't need to be sealed because the only way to get out of that would be for someone to lower a rope, which would not happen. So regardless of the construction and what the Scriptures want us to see is that Daniel was put in this lion's den, and there was no way out. It was Daniel and the lions. In verse 23, Daniel was not trusting in a human way out. In verse 23, at the very end of it, we read, because he trusted God. His hope was rooted in God's person and work. His hope was rooted in God's faithfulness. So Daniel trusted in his God, my God, his, his personal God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 32 through 34, we read about the saints undergoing similar situations as Daniel. And I'll read uh, Hebrews 11 verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. And of course, this is in Hebrews 11, this great hall of fame of faith, celebrating God's faithfulness through these saints. And so notice that both David and Samson are referenced here, and both David and Samson in, encountered uh, lions. We, we see Samson in, in Judges battling with a lion. We, we see David in 1 Samuel 17 also battling with a lion and prevailing. And even though Daniel is not mentioned here in Hebrews 11, likely this phrase, stopping the mouths of lion, references this very narrative that we're studying today where Daniel prevails over the, over the line. But in all of these cases, Daniel, David, and Samson, as they were battling with these lions, faith is central. It was God who was doing the warfare. It was God who was shutting the mouths of these lions. And these saints believed. So Darius's dim hope is contrasted with Daniel's utter trust in God, his faith in God to deliver. 
And so Daniel stands then as a model for us of what it means to live by faith as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how did God deliver Daniel? It was a miraculous deliverance, which is the the second point on your sermon outline. This past summer, Ray and I had a great time in the state of Montana, and I had the privilege of doing a number of hikes. A couple were just by myself, and I remember one day I'd, I'd scoped out this hike that was up a canyon, and and so it was going to be a uh, you know a full day's hike, and I was looking forward to it. But there's this one concern that was uh, front and center on my mind that we were in grizzly bear country, and so I just remember. I mean, I did all the reading I could do about uh, what what's the proper thing to do when faced with a grizzly bear. And I've got all kinds of websites in the event you're concerned about that here in Little Rock. And you want to know uh, how to stand or what to do when you are faced by a grizzly bear. And, you know, there are people wearing these little bells that, that ring. Well, there's a reason for that because you don't want to surprise a bear. So I went on this hike and I was just, I have to admit that I was primarily by myself and there weren't many people out there hiking. And probably if a grizzly bear that was really hungry or was aggravated, um, wanted me, he would certainly have his way with me. And perhaps the only thing left would be my, of me would be my boots. And so there my boots would be brought back to Renee. <laughs> this is all that's left of your husband. And they were new boots too, so it would probably be good that, that she could recoup some of the expense. But, you know, I, I kind of joke about that, but, I mean, can you imagine what was going through Daniel's mind? He trusted in the Lord, but let's just say that if there was only, now we know that there were lions, plural, in this lion's den, but if there was only one lion in that den, it would be one lion too many for me. And here Daniel is cast in, and notice there is a stone. If this, is, if this construction is right, there is a stone that covered the entrance where they likely introduced the animals to the den. So up top, kind of on the roof, there was this hole, and poor old Daniel was just thrown in to this lion's den. And I can just imagine Daniel hitting the floor, and there are just these lions, and you know how they do, you've seen it on TV, they, they kind of circling, and they're showing their teeth, and I just can't imagine how fearful that would have been. I was kind of fearful over the possibility of a grizzly bear at least toying with me. And here Daniel faces these lions, surrounded by hungry lions, an absolute horrifying situation. Like Mark Rose, who was flying on that return trip in that snowstorm, back up against the wall. No way out. That's where we find Daniel. And I want us to pause for just a moment, just reflect upon this. Um, and I certainly don't want to take liberty with, with the text today, but, but I do think that this is something that is relevant. And I just simply want to ask this question. What are the lions in your life today. Do you have any lions? Are finances growling at you and showing their teeth? Maybe there's a broken relationship that has absolutely 
gotten you up against the wall? What about health problems? If you want to talk about a lion, let's talk about a battle with cancer or some other difficulty. What about a crisis of faith? Perhaps one of the greatest circumstances where a devout Christian can find themselves is really struggling with living the Christian life. Have you been there? I have. And the growl and, and the, the showing of teeth of that line can be pretty unconcerning. What about fear about safety? Anybody want to go to Paris? We live in a very, very unstable world. And the lion of terrorism and the lion of just simply feeling safe, even sitting outside having a nice meal with friends at a restaurant. Think about the evil that is in this world. Think about the future. Think about the future of our church, of the church. Think about the future of our country. Do you see any lions there? You may be here today perhaps struggling like that atheist pilot. You may even find yourself in a crisis. And will that crisis turn you to God or will that crisis just simply be a 911 call and then once the crisis is over you go about your own business. But what you need to understand is that the greatest lion is growling at you and it's the, it's the lion of judgment that will come upon every single person in that last day that is outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I would suggest to you that we have lions about trying to consume us in, in various ways. And so where do we need God to deliver us? Is it from the bondage of sin and death and hell and judgment? Is it from a circumstance, regardless of how we got in that circumstance, by just simply being faithful or being sinful or just simply because of this evil and fallen world? Where do we need God to deliver us? Where do we feel overwhelmed with our back against the wall, with lions growling at us today? Where do we need God to deliver us? Daniel experienced a miraculous deliverance. I mean, pity poor Darius. <laughs> in, in verses 19 through 20, Darius, there, he, he can't even sleep at night because he's so concerned about his friend. And wishful thinking that early the next morning he comes, probably at, at the break of first light, and he comes to the top open part of that den, and, and, and he calls out uh, to Daniel Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And I'm sure the king just so desired for Daniel to respond, but he knew all that he was going to get was silence and maybe the lions licking their chops. And to his great joy, as we read in verse, 20, in verse 23, where he was overjoyed, 
And in verse 21, Daniel responds, my God delivered me. Not the God, not your God, not a God, but my God delivered me. In fact, God had worked so miraculously in Daniel's life that he did not have one scratch, not one tooth mark, not one claw mark on him, not even a mark from when he fell into the pit to begin with and hit the floor. Not a bruise. Can you believe it? Then I scratch on this man, and that is the sufficiency and the completeness of God's deliverance. And I think we see something about the nature of Daniel's faith here that it is evident that he that his trust was rooted in who God is and his personal relationship with God. That God had a purpose for Daniel and a plan for Daniel's life. That there was a future for Daniel and God was bringing about that future in Daniel's life. That God was providentially working and ruling and governing and bringing his purposes about in the world and particularly in Daniel's life. And the very fact that Daniel was in that lion's den to begin with was part of God's sovereign plan for Daniel. And God shutting the mouth of those lions was part of God's sovereign plan for Daniel. It was all part of God's ordination. And in verse 23, God delivered him completely according to the purposes of God's eternal plan. And this brings us to this this point. Daniel's deliverance was for Daniel. And as I said earlier, Daniel was thankful, I'm sure, for being delivered from those lions. But Daniel's deliverance was about something much greater than Daniel not having a scratch on him. And we're going to stop here today and pick up with this story next week. Because what I want to help us see next week in a spirit of thanksgiving, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, is the reality of this fact. That everything that happened to Daniel... In fact, everything that happened in Daniel's entire life, from his exile, from Jerusalem, to prospering under now Darius and Cyrus after being delivered from the lion's den, points to Jesus Christ. And the deliverance that Daniel experienced, though significant to Daniel, foreshadows the deliverance that we enjoy and are so grateful for in Jesus Christ. The third point in next week's reflection, there's a greater deliverance. And dear brothers and sisters, it is that greater deliverance That is the reason that we are able to, like Daniel, be faithful in the midst of the lions seeking to devour us. But I want us to be careful to understand this. Sometimes the lions devour us. And does that mean God has failed? Sometimes 
the saint dies. Sometimes the financial problems only worsen. Does that mean God is unfaithful? Next week we want to explore that reality as we look at the fact that God is faithful in his will for the saint to live as he shuts the mouth of the lion and God is faithful if his will is for the saint to die as God chooses not to shut the mouth of the lion but to use that death as a witness and a testimony to the power and glory of God. You see, this story about Daniel is more than just simply God shutting the mouth of the lion. It's ultimately about God being glorified and his purposes being filled in the living and in the martyrdom of his people. And this is where we will come next week. Let us pray. God, our Father, as we have reflected upon this passage of Scripture today, I am reminded of my own need uh, to dare to be a Daniel, to not only trust you in doing the right thing under the penalty, but also to trust you when the penalty of this world is imposed upon me. And so, Father, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. I pray that you would indeed give us grace to follow this example of Daniel. But ultimately, it comes down to our faithfulness is rooted in you and in your faithfulness and in the great deliverance that you have worked for your people. And so next week as we come again to this text, may we be filled with joy and thanksgiving as we look to Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and the Lamb of God slain for the redemption of the saint. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.